0: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What I've tried to do in these weeks, and we have one more week to do it, is to structure these messages on John 3.16 in a way that you can reproduce it at lunch, at work, so somebody comes up to you in the morning coffee break and says, uh, "You're one of those born again Christians, aren't you? One of those born again people." And you say, "Well, maybe depends on what you mean." I'm, I'll meet you at lunch and I'll, I'll I'll tell you mine and you tell me yours and we see if they match. So you meet at lunch and you say. The best way for me to define myself and my philosophy of life is with some words of Jesus. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. And when I reflect on the words of Jesus, I hear four things. I hear that there's a danger to be avoided, namely perishing. And I hear that there's a design in God's heart and mind to love the world and send His Son to rescue us from perishing. And I hear that there's a duty on my part. I have to believe in that in order to benefit from it. And finally, I hear a a destiny of eternal life. And I embrace that. And that's who I am. That's my faith. That's my walk. Am I one of those born-again people? Okay, I am. That's fine if that's... I want you to be able to take John 3.16 wherever you are, to quote it from memory and to remember the four D's. The danger, perishing. The design, rescue from the love of God and the sending of the Son. The duty, faith, believing. And the destiny, eternal life. So we're taking one Sunday on each of those, and this kind of becomes the underlying exposition that just lies there ready to be used if they'll let you talk some more, and if you can get into a conversation. So today we'll talk about the third D, namely, duty. A delightful duty. An easy duty, namely, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say six things about it they go real fast. Number 1. Believing is the vital link between me or you and the love of God. It's the vital link between us and the love of God. He said in John 3:36. He who believes on the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son Does not have life, but abides under the wrath of God. If you spurn love or belief, you spurn the love of God. The the means by which you link up with the love of God is believing on Jesus. Now notice something in in this verse. It says, God so loved the world so that believers would not perish. Now, there's a remarkable narrowing there. God so loved the whole world that believers won't perish. Now, there's there's a way that Bible students and theologians have described that narrowing and the meaning of that. And the words are this. The love of God is sufficient to rescue the whole world. He is not deficient in love. But the love of God is efficient in actually rescuing people from hell who believe. And so if you say, well, I don't want to be out there among that huge number that only experience the sufficient love of God. I want to be among the number who experience the efficient, that is the, the love that actually rescues and gets people out of the clutches of hell. What, what should I do? And the answer is you want to be among that number this morning? Believe Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and a channel is created that links you with the energetic, omnipotent love of God to rescue you from perishing. So the first observation about believing is that it is the indispensable link between your soul and the rescuing love of God. Don't count on anything else. Don't think IQ, so that it rules you out or in. Everybody above 100 gets in and those not, not. Or don't think it's uh, race. Don't think it's Americanism. Don't think it's how often you're in this building in a week. Don't think it's your background and what your parents believe. None of that. None of that is the link between your soul and the rescuing love of God. There is one channel, one link, one thing that holds you in there, and that is believing. And therefore, we need to turn now to the next five observations. What is it? What is it? Number two. Believing is an ongoing condition of the heart, not merely a one-time act. That whoever believes, not believed, and this is even more clear in the original Greek, it is a present tense, ongoing, continuous action, if you believe in an ongoing way, Then you don't perish. Chapter 20, verse 31 is a very important verse. It it, uh, describes the purpose of the whole gospel and it goes like this. These have been written. This gospel has been written. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing have life in his name. Now... That first word, believe, that you may believe, in many, many old Greek manuscripts is a tense that describes coming to believe. The event of starting believing. The second word, believe, is the present tense of ongoing action. So let me paraphrase it like this. This gospel was written and the words of Jesus are recorded for us. And the events of his life are preserved for us so that you might At a point in time, come to believe. And believing for the rest of your life, get and experience eternal life. It's a grave danger that many evangelicals fall into that we orient on the point of our beginning in the Christian life. And we ask, when were you saved? And we too much put weight on that moment, thus allowing a lot of negligence in the life and process, constantly looking back. We especially tend to do this for our relatives and our children, whom we can remember praying with and who are not now living like they should. And we hold on to that little prayer and hope against hope. That was real. It may not have been real. What saves is not a point in time. What saves is believing. Believing on the Lord Jesus. So this morning, if you want to know, am I a Christian? Will I have eternal life? Will I escape perishing? Don't waste too much time trying to remember when it happened to you. That's not the most important thing. Concern yourself right now as I'm preaching, am I believing what he's saying? Am I a believer now? That's all that matters, ultimately. Is my faith and my belief an ongoing, continuous condition of the heart? Or am I banking on some past high point way back when? That's number two. Number three, the object or focus of our believing is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, given by the Father. That's right here in the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes on him, that is, Jesus, the Son of God, given by the Father. And the reason I put it like that is because as you read the whole Gospel of John, you sometimes read things like this, 524... He who hears my word, Jesus says, and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Hmm. Believe him who sent me and you have eternal life. And then you read other verses like 336 that say, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. So this verse says, he who believes in the one who sent him has eternal life. And this verse says, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. Well, which is it? Chapter 12, verse 44 says... Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. The way they come together is this. Believing on Jesus unto the rescuing love of God and unto salvation is a believing on the one whom God sent as a revelation of God. Or, believing on the one who sent him As one who loves to send and did send his son. Jesus would say, if you try to choose between me and my father, you will have neither me nor my father. He he who has the son has the father, and he who has the father has the son. They are one in a remarkable and deep way. The object of our saving faith this morning, as we sit here, as I preach, as you listen, the object of the faith... That saves is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, revealing the Father. Or, if you prefer, it is the Father having revealed Himself beautifully, intimately, through the Son. Our faith is in the Son revealing the Father and the Father sending the Son. Number four, believing includes agreeing in the mind with objective truth about Christ. It includes agreeing, confessing, assenting to objective truth revealed from God about Christ. Now I stress this, we live in a day in which relativism is the main air we breathe, which means that a person says, I believe that Jesus is true, true for me, but I wouldn't presume to tell you that he should be true for you. And truth is made into a wax nose so that you shape it according to whatever you like. Now, Christianity stands in diametric opposition to that kind of relativism. C.S. Lewis, who has a great way of putting almost everything, said something like this. He said, an insane man in a padded cell with a ceiling and walls, hammering on the wall, hollering, There is no sun! There is no sun! Has not the slightest effect on whether the sun rises and sets. Nor does anybody who says, Well, that's true for you, but not for me. Truth is truth. And what is true about Jesus stands whether you or I or anybody in the world believes it. And part of the genuineness of your saving faith is that your mind perceives some objective truth outside of yourself and you agree with it. For example, John 17, 8. Jesus is praying and he prays like this. Father... The words which you gave me, I have given to them. So there's this repository of divine truth through words being given to Jesus and then to the apostles. They received them and truly understood, here comes one of the truths, that you, that I, came forth from you. And they believed, so here's the definition of believing, Partly, They believed that you did send me. Now there's a truth. If we all said, I don't think it's true, that wouldn't have the slightest effect on the truth. The Father sent the Son and saving faith, hears the truth and agrees with it. Assents to it. Confesses it. And without that, faith is not saving faith. Number five. However, believing also includes a satisfaction in your heart with all that God is for you in Jesus. In other words, if you only have mental agreement with truths out there, your faith is no different from the devil's. James 2.19 The devils believe and tremble. So what I meant under point four was part of, an essential part of believing in Jesus, is to learn and know and agree with certain objective facts about him. However, that is not sufficient to save anybody. Not sufficient to save anybody. There must also be, in response to that in the mind, a welling up of satisfaction in that Jesus in the heart. You know, faith is an amazingly powerful renovating force in the human life. Because if it is a being satisfied with all that God is for us in Jesus, you know what effect that has on the other allurements to satisfaction? It starts to wean you off of them. This is the way holiness happens. God opens the eyes of your heart to see Jesus as attractive for the first time in your life, as sufficient, as glorious, as trustworthy, and you lean toward Him and you fall upon Him and you say yes with your mind and your heart begins to take joy and satisfaction in what once was just kind of a religious abstraction that was the weirdest thing you ever thought of, and suddenly He is all to you. And you turn on the TV that night, and the same program, banal, empty, titillating, you look at it, and you say, yeah, what's that? Click. Not because anybody said, thou shalt not watch TV, which I'm prone to say, because I don't like it, I think it does a lot of hellish damage in our souls, but that's not in the Bible, thou shalt not watch TV, so I won't say it. Not because anybody said, thou shalt not watch that show, but simply because you've got new taste buds. Jesus is suddenly so precious... That when you turn it on and the spirit and the mood and the atmosphere and the content is so foreign and so distant and so contrary and so empty to Jesus who is your treasure. You say, how could I have ever spent my human soul on such a thing? That's the way sanctification happens. And it's faith, faith that does it. Believing is a being satisfied in what God is for you in Jesus. I get it from John 6, 35, where Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So what is faith? It is a coming to Jesus such that the The thirst of your soul and the hunger of your heart is satisfied on him and gradually the old satisfactions fall away. So if you get faith right, you you don't have to go to stage two in Christianity. I think two-stage Christianity is deadly. But that's another sermon. Last last point. Let me summarize these five and close with number six. Number one, believing in Jesus is the link between your soul and the rescuing love of God. Number two, it is an ongoing condition of the heart, not a one-time thing in the past. Three, it, it, it's, its object, its focus is on Jesus Christ as the revelation of the Father who sent him. Fourth... Believing means a mental agreement with objective truth, and fifth, it is a heartfelt satisfaction of what God is for us in Jesus. Now let me close with this last point. Believing in Jesus is not merely a human act, it is also a divine act. It is a work of God. The reason this is important is because the Bible teaches that the human mind is blind to spiritual truth. And the human heart is hard against spiritual pleasures. And therefore the assenting that is required of the mind, it cannot do. And the delighting that is required of the heart, it cannot do it's a stone and it's blind and so the biblical question that the bible wrestles with again and again is how then shall anybody be saved and the answer given is john 6:44 no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him or john 6:37 all that the father gives to me will come to me or John six sixty five, No one can come to me unless it has been granted him by my Father. Which simply means that if you lie there helpless this morning, listening to me saying, I want to get out of here so bad and go home, and nothing is happening, you are not without hope because God is God. And at this moment, this closing moment in the service, God might move. And I just ask all you believers, just ask that that happen right now. Jesus said in John 17, I pray, Father, not only for my disciples, but for those who will believe on me through their word. That's what's happening right now. This is the word of God, John 3.16. And so if you ask, how does God take away the blinders of the mind? And how does God take out the heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh? The answer is, by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so my prayer as I draw this to a close is that the Holy Spirit and God Almighty would be drawing. In fact, He is drawing. And my plea to you as I close is, if you feel that right now, And many of you do. God tugging, pulling, opening, softening, inclining you to say, I like that stuff. Don't resist that. Yield right now. Just yield to that. Say yes to the movement of the Spirit in your heart and believe. There will be some prayer teams at the front afterwards. And any of you about anything, they'd love to pray. and Just ask God to bless you, guide you, help you. Let's pray. Lord, Christmas is a great, great season. We love the festive spirit. We love the greens, the wreaths, the banners. We love the music. Most of all, we love Jesus. We love His coming. And we are so glad that the duty required of us is not a straining, laboring to earn anything, but is the freedom of resting, believing, assenting, being satisfied with You. Work that in all of us, I pray, deeper and deeper, and free us. From all that is not of you and make us lights amid all the glitz of this season, pointing to Jesus. In his name we pray.